On Health in the Hole, today we're talking about various foot issues and orthotics with Pat Sullivan. He is a board-certified podorthist since 2010. He has 20 years of experience as a boot fitter with an emphasis on biomechanics. He's not only your go-to guy for ski boots, but also works with your other shoes in conditions such as flat feet, high arches, bunions, ankle instability, and more. Want to get amazing insights and perspectives from local health and fitness professionals here in Jackson Hole? This is the podcast for you, and we're your hosts, Dr. Laura Wright and Dr. Parker Hughes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Health in the Hole. I am here today with Pat Sullivan, who is a board-certified podorthist. Pat, welcome. I'm going to let you explain to everyone what exactly a podorthist is. Well, hey, everyone. Um, essentially, a podorthist is uh, a healthcare specialist um, who's basically trained in comprehensive foot, foot care. So essentially, really, a podorthist, the majority of the United States, or if not world, um, really works with diabetic people, people that have loss of circulation and um, other um, issues that deal with diabetic issues. So we're really there to provide uh, protection for the bottom of the foot, whether it be to offload an ulcer or open sore or you know an amputation they might have had. Uh, that's a large scope of what a podorthist does, as well as provide the proper foot or excuse me, provide the proper foot care for that individual because their foot's usually swollen or missing parts or what have you. Um, I actually take it to a different level. Right. I was saying well, we don't have a huge diabetic you know, problem here in Jackson compared to some areas. Yeah, totally. Um, so I actually kind of do it from a different level. I do more of it from a basically sports orthotic or boot fitting, um, boot fitting from more of a biomechanical point of view. Uh, and that's where I've kind of taken my podorthist um, training to. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. How did you get into it? And then what does it kind of require to become one? Um, I really got into it via actually boot fitting, ski boot fitting. Um, I started hanging around a bunch of guys, older boot fitters who were all podorthists, and they would actually take boot fitting to that next level. Um, more from a biomechanical point of view. And I found that extremely fascinating and decided, I think that's a route that I want to go. So that's how I wound up in it. Um, basically becoming podorthist, really you just kind of have to have high school education or above. Uh, and then you need to go to an accredited course. Um, and there's only a few of them in the United States. Maybe there's only one right now. Uh, and it takes about two and a half, three years to become one. Uh, it's a pretty extensive process, uh, and it actually is uh, a very difficult exam that you have to take in order to uh, to become board certified. Once you've done that, then it's kind of the usual credits you have to do every year. So, so you have continuing education every year. I do. Well. Okay, that's awesome. So yeah. let's talk about some of the common things you work on here in Jackson then. You boot um, fitting, and maybe let's start with boot fitting. Why is that important? Uh, really, I mean, if you think about the ski boot, it's sort of like the tires on your car. If you have poor fitting boots, you're going to be skiing, you know, poorly, or you're going to be incredibly uncomfortable and want to go inside. You know, that's one of the big reasons why people quit skiing is because their boots fit so poorly. That's why I'm so, a snowboarder. No, it's not why I'm a yeah, snowboarder. That's right. <laughs> it could be. I hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, really, you know, I come into play fitting more of that difficult foot, you know, their foot goes numb. They can't figure out why it goes numb or they have like these bony prominent issues on their feet. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that need to be um, accommodated for with the boot. Uh, and so I, that's where I come into play. And sometimes there's like these crazy things where their foot's like twisted in a certain way that's causing pressure on the outside of the foot, which can lead to them feeling like, oh, I'm sitting on my outside edge. I can make an awesome right-hand turn, but I can't make a left-hand turn. So a lot of that can come down to what's the foot doing within the ski boot. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of start pulling, pulling it apart uh, from there and seeing what we can do to make them uh, feel much better on the slope. So it's, uh, um, it's definitely an important part of skiing. The boot is the most important part, actually. I believe that. And how many snowboard boots do you do? I'm assuming you must do some as well. I probably do about a dozen a season. Okay. Cause they're Maybe. generally just more comfortable, I think. Yeah, they are more comfortable. Generally, it's more from a footbed point of view than um, actually modifying the the boot itself because its fabric moves and adjusts with the foot. As a ski boot, it's just a hard piece of plastic, you know. Let's talk about what other other orthotics you build and what conditions you build them for. You do things in hiking boots, tennis shoes, work shoes. Yeah, a lot of with um, hiking boots. I do a lot of that. Uh, mainly people who have like flat feet. Um, that's one of the biggest things that we work with are flat feet. Um, so I do a lot of that for hiking boots and I do a lot of for cycling shoes as well. I just did one today, uh, allows the person to feel more neutral on the bike and allows them to have more power, power to the pedal. Uh, so I do do a lot of, uh, orthotics for cycling shoes as well. Um, and then I do do some for running shoes and walking shoes. Uh, so I do a lot of that as well. Um, so when would somebody know, let's say they have flat feet, do they need to have flat feet and pain to know that, you know, getting orthotics would be a good idea? Yeah, typically interesting enough, flat feet, a lot of people that have them, um, don't have a lot of problems. Like you might think it's really a high arch foot that gives people the most problems. Um, but yeah, they'll experience a lot of pain, uh, plantar fasciitis is a big one. They might be associated with that flat foot. Um, and so they'll feel a lot of discomfort or maybe instability, you know, like they're, they're, they're rolling to the inside really aggressively or their, their shoes are wearing out real aggressively. And so those might be signs that you, know, you need to get a footbed or something to really help support the foot. And why do high arches cause more issues than flat feet typically? Well, I mean, cause sometimes their shoes are hard to fit with them because the arch is so high. Uh, they have a tendency to really roll out if it's really high. Um, and that can provide instability and they might start feeling pain, like on the outside of the leg, um, or just feeling unbalanced in general, um, high arches and ski boots can be really problematic. Uh, so they really need something to sort of support the, the high arch, not necessarily correct it. Um, they're actually the most difficult foot to work with because they're so temperamental. Um, so you kind of have to really, uh, be careful, um, what you're doing sometimes with the high arch. So it doesn't provide more discomfort than they had before. Mm-hmm. What other common conditions do you work with? Uh, well, like I said, you know, high, high arch, low arch, um, a lot of plantar fasciitis. Um, and then in the winter time for ski boots, I deal with a lot of neuromas, um, particularly with a lot of ski school instructors, which are nasty, uh, which is typically the thickening of the interdigital nerve between the um, third and fourth toe. And if the person has a boot that's too narrow or skis are, or excuse me, shoes are too narrow, um, it'll cause that nerve to fire and just drive you insane. Um, so I do do a lot of those. Um, and how do you, how always, do you treat those in terms of building the orthotic? 
Well, something that's going to provide a lot of support for the arch. So it supports the, the middle part of the foot, what they call the midfoot. And also something that supports what they call the transverse arch. You have this arch that goes from your big toe to your little, little toe. It kind of looks like a rainbow, you know, if you want to, mm -hmm. the way that's supported. And what you want to do is you want to really sort of pull those two metatarsal heads apart, the third and the, the third and the fourth. So it really allows for that nerve to not be impinged and cause that nerve pain uh, to fire. And so what you do is you put this bump in the footbed that looks like a teardrop. And what that does is that offloads that area and provides um, more comfort for them. And also make sure that they have a wide enough shoe or boot. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good to know because we definitely treat people with neuromas and getting something that would support their footbed. And typically that, that's a horrible pain, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm going to ask about. How about people who have like um, chronically like unstable ankles? They've sprained them a lot. Is there something in the footbed that you do for that or something further up for the heel you can do for that? Yeah. So really with the footbed, you want to make something that's really supportive in the back part of the footbed. So it's got a really solid foundation to keep the foot from rolling to the outside. Sometimes you end up building uh, more material on the outside or the inside, but really you want to control that back part of the foot or what they call the hind foot. Um, and also the medial support will help a lot with that. Um, for shoes, you know, make sure you have kind of a higher um, or of a mid-level shoe that's going to really help support and provide stability. Something that's got a really broad base and the heel uh, that helps out substantially. Um, what else is there? Also, one thing that can be really missed is that the shoe needs to be pretty stiff. A lot of people grab, you can, if you can grab a shoe and twist it like a pretzel, it's probably not going to provide that grade of stability for you. So it's good if you can grab a shoe off the shelf and see if you can kind of twist it like a pretzel. And if it won't twist, that's a good indicator that it's going to be a nice stiff shoe for you and provide some good stability. That's and does everybody need those shoes? Because I mean, right, there's a movement towards the minimalist shoes. Is it like you can have those if you have great feet, but for people who have more like pathology in their feet, they ought to have a more stable shoe or do you steer everyone towards a more stable shoe? No, I just, I kind of just steer, I steer people towards that where if they're having, they're symptomatic, they're starting to have these problems, then like, yeah, let's explore that. If they're not having any issues at all, then, you know, no need to, you know, don't, let's not, uh, you know, introduce something that could be more problematic, you know? So I would say, no, I mean, it's not for everybody. You know, some people, like I, like I was saying, a flat foot, a flat foot sometimes is the most uh, healthy, flexible foot out there. You know, you look at the, um, people in Africa that don't wear shoes, you know, a lot of them are flat footed, but they're, you know, the, the foot is designed to pronate and adapt to its environment. So um, that person might like a shoe, a minimalist shoe. And if that works for them, awesome. Right. You know, but if you have like a really high arch or a really rigid foot that doesn't like to be told what to do um, or doesn't like an environment where it's moving around too much, then we might want to look at a shoe that's going to be more supportive. That's that's so interesting because I mean I've seen like pictures right cultures that don't wear shoes they have a much wider foot typically but I hadn't realized that they had typically have a flatter foot. Yeah, they do well. like a flat strong foot like the what they call intrinsic muscles the muscles that start and end with the foot they're really strong you know they're really strong and so it really provides like a really stable healthy foot. And is ours just because we've been raised in raised in shoes since we were a kid and. Yeah, probably, <laughs> you know, uh, and we like to, as humans, we like to make the earth flat, right? You know, right. we like to make everything concrete or what have you, you know, that the foot was designed to evolve, like I said, uh, and adapt to its terrain, not necessarily walk on a flat surface, but you know, 
that's where shoes come into play. Right. Talk to us about bunions or Halix valgus, what you can do there. Uh, really the most important thing with bunions is to provide, you know, definitely support for the foot. Um, also make sure that the shoe is wide enough. That's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it can be, you know, the instability of the, of that joint that causes that bulbous thing on the inside of the shoe or excuse me, foot. Uh, so definitely having a proper environment for that foot, um, is most of all is most important. And if you're in a ski boot, definitely let's modify that plastic. So that it gives room for that bunion to live in. You know, that's super important. And is it something that you can help like keep it from progressing? Cause right. Sometimes they start small and they'll just get bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know, definitely a footbed would help a lot with that. So a lot of times it's instability of that joint and it's friction that moves up and down. And then that joint will get irritated and it'll build up what's called synovial fluid. And that fluid is really has a lot of calcium in it and that'll bond to the bone and they get bigger and then you got a problem, you know, then it gets worse and worse. So it's really important that you have that area stabilized uh, with a footbed. And it's also extremely important that they have a shoe that is wide enough uh, and long enough. So if a lot of people wear shoes that are too small for them. So, you know, it's really important that they're not too small because that can make it uh, a lot worse. And same thing with ski boots. Don't want them too narrow. I've seen a lot of bunions develop with people that wear their boots too, uh, too small. Right. I mean, I think people think they have to be so tight. So they do get them probably on the smaller side. They do. They do. I was going to ask. Oh, so along with, so you're helping them kind of find the right shoe for their foot build an orthotic if needed. Do you give any more like tips on like, you know, Hey, you've got this, you know, these type of strengthening exercises, or this is something else you can do, or do you refer them to somewhere else for that? Typically when someone's working with you? Um, I mean, if they ask, yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, you got a pretty flat foot, definitely probably want to wear these, you know, wear these footbeds for a while. And, um, you know, a lot of what I do is kind of lead people in the right direction for proper foot care or excuse me, proper footwear. Yeah. Uh, so they know they're getting the right shoe, you know, or ski boot, you know, that's what I like. That's what I really do. It's like, let this, let's get you in the right boot. Let's get you in the right shoe. Let's get you in the right running shoe. And that can be really beneficial. Um, if I see, um, like one of my good friends of mine, we, we spent all day, uh, in the shop and the balls of his feet were killing him. what they call metatarsalgia. Right. Wearing, uh, the, these terrible unsupportive shoes and it got so bad that his foot just swelled up and yeah. he didn't know what the heck was going on. So he went and saw a local, um, foot specialist and they said, well, basically you have metatarsalgia, which is a fancy word for pain in the balls of your feet. And so we made him a foot bed and got him in the right shoe that was stiff enough, um, had what they call rocker. So it allows the boot, the shoe to kind of toe off nicely and mm -hmm. basically bypass the balls of the feet. And so I really helped him find the right shoe. We made him the right footbed with the proper support and cushion and took a, took about a month, but it, it definitely, it, it went away. So um, just really kind of just suggesting to people or showing them the right shoe or boot that they need is what I find most important for what it is that I do. Um, and then if it's some sort of, I being a podorthist, I can't diagnose. I can um, observe basically and kind of be like, here's what I think you have going on. If you want to look into it further, here's a, a specialist you can you can see. Because I'm not a doctor, um, but 
right? You know all the stuff, but you're just, yeah, legally not allowed. To I'm not legally it. allowed to be like, yes, you have a fracture of the so-and-so. I right. can't say that. <laughs> Got it. Uh, sesamoiditis. I guess that's yeah. be part of metatarsalgia. Yeah. Um, do you deal with that? I'm guessing as well. And how is that different? Or is yeah. it? Um, I've heard it compared to tendonitis as well, that the sesamoid bones are kind of like the patella buried in the tendon and it's the, you know, the tendons getting pulled on or not sliding well is how I've had it explained to me. Yeah. Um, I have, it's very rarely that I deal with it. Oddly enough. Um, I did deal with a lot before with climbers because they would, um, like even ice climbers, like they would fall out, like they would land really hard. Um, and so I've dealt with it, um, with them and really for sesamoiditis, it's really important just to try to, you know, I'll usually put like a really soft material right underneath the, those two bones to provide, uh, support as well as offload it so that it keeps that, uh, basically that metatarsal head floating. So it doesn't, um, get smashed. Uh, so that's typically what I do, but I don't, I don't, the last time I saw one was maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I don't see a lot of it. I've got some that comes and goes. I did a jumping jacks the other day and I was like, oh, oh yeah, there it's coming back. So yeah. um, I should explain for just the audience, sesamoiditis. So the sesamoid bones are two little bones. They're right under kind of like the ball on your big toe and the ball of your foot. They're like tiny little ones buried in there and um, they can get inflamed and they can get fractured. Okay. I've never had mine x-rayed, but mine have been kind of going on and off for maybe, wow, three or four years now. And it's usually once or twice a summer, I aggravate them just like in crappy shoes with a lot of impact. So yeah, that'll do it for sure. It's, it's kind of a bummer too. Cause like once you injure those pea sized bones, they can be problematic for a long time. Right. You know, a, lo- and a lot of it can be also that people get sesamoiditis because of the fat pad uh, of the, you know, as we get older, the foot will elongate and we start losing soft tissue and fat. Uh, on the bottom of the foot, we, <laughs> we lose fat where we want it. We get it where we don't want it. <laughs> um, but that I've seen a lot of that where there's just not a lot of tissue there anymore to, to help cushion, uh, those two bones. So, um, I'll try to make, um, basically just make more soft absorption there. So, okay. yeah, I think last thing I wanted to ask about Halix limitus or Halix rigidus. Can you tell us what that is and kind of what you do for that and why it's important? Yeah. Halix limitus is really, if you were to like grab, if you were to grab your big toe and try to lift it up and it, and it doesn't really want to flex or move, that would be more of what they call halix limitus. Um, one way a lot of people do is they'll, they'll take your big toe and they'll flip it up, which is they call the fancy word is dorsiflex it, uh, dorsiflexion. They'll flip it up and they'll take your lesser toes and move it. And they should kind of go together. But if the lesser toes move up higher than the, the big toe, or the great toe, they call it, um, that might be what they call halix limitus. And then the worst one is halix rigidus, which is the one where you typically typically can't move your big, uh, your toe at all. And that's usually from, you know, maybe a past injury or, or whatnot. Um, usually for halix limitus, so I see the most, um, a really stiff shoe that has a lot of rocker, something that, you know, allows them to sort of bypass that joint. There's a joint in there that gets really aggravated. Um, and so you want to make a really stiff shoe and a fairly stiff footbed. And then it will basically roll past that joint. Um, the hallux limitus, on the other hand, is a little more difficult. Basically, in a medical environment, what you do is you give them a carbon footplate that has what they call a Morton's extension. 
Uh, and basically what that is like, there's this really rigid carbon plate that goes, that extends with the big toe. And it basically keeps the big toe from flexing or moving. Uh, you could almost get away with doing that if you wore like an um, ice climbing shoe or something, if you wanted to around here. Yeah. Um, so that's what you do to treat uh, more hallux limitus, to try to really mobilize that uh, big toe so it doesn't get crunched because it can be a pretty uh, awful pain. I actually have uh, hallux limitus a little bit um, and you can kind of feel it on up the leg if it gets really bad. Uh, so but luckily when I'm in the wintertime when I'm working with ski boots, you're pretty much in a cast. So it's not really a problem. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I tell the people with like ankle sprains, I'm like, you could probably still ski, right? You're putting it basically in a cast. It's funny. One time um, I had plantar fasciitis really bad. And this is back when I worked in uh, medical and I went and did a ski boot test and I was in ski boots for the past like seven days and it went away. Because basically I was in a walking cast. Yeah, that's the way to hear it. <laughs> yeah, it worked great. Perfect. Do you have any other fun stories of just like uh, orthotics and what they can do? Uh, I think one of the coolest stories I had is I had a guy that had a lot of numbness. Um, turns out he was like a green beret or something. And he basically came to me and said like, I heard that you're, you're pretty good at what you do. And I was like, all right, yeah, we'll just kind of sit down and just do the best I can for you. And uh, his, his, I think like, uh, I can't remember, like the balls of his feet always went numb or there, there was something like some boot fitter could never really figure out. So we just kind of sat down we kind of figured out what was going on. And I basically built him this footbed with all the support and whatnot. And so he comes back later on the afternoon. He's just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, no. And like this, this blew up right in front of my face. And I thought, oh, man, you know, because you never know when people come back, whether it's going to be good or it's going to be bad, right. you know, particularly with skiing. He comes back and he just walks up to me. This was like six years ago. And he just gives me like this giant bear hug. And he goes, I just want to let you know, I never hug anybody, but man, you've made my day. Like you made my year. I could go skiing, you know, and it, that was, that was awesome. That was, that was rad, you know, because this guy didn't really show any emotion or anything, you know, before. And then, you know, it really made his day. So that was really cool. That was, is, that was a cool thing. To experience. I was gonna say, is that one of the more difficult things that you, you like you make them and you might not necessarily have a follow-up with people to see how much it affected and how much it changed them. Yeah. It's um, it's that's sometimes the bummer part is that I may not know until like two years later and they come back. Right. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, I'm like, like how I never got to see how it worked. Like, Oh, it was awesome. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, rad, because I was kind of worried that, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have that when people come and then they go out and like, I don't see them. I'm like, did we fix it? Then I don't, you know. Yeah. So everybody who's listening, if you go see Pat and he does wonders, let him know so that he's not wondering afterwards. It's, yeah, I love, I love knowing. And I love knowing whether I did it also wrong, too. It's nice that, like, hey, you know, I'm it's good to know, like if, if, if didn't work out, you know, please let me know. You know, right. I, I don't, I know with some boot fitters, people will come back and, and they can be, they feel like they're bothering them. Or like, I know some boot fitters, you know, some people maybe get aggravated, like, I don't want to see you anymore. All this jazz. And if it's really, but you know, I'm not quite like that. I just, I want to know, I want to make, do the best I can to get it right. You know, um, I'll keep trying and keep trying, you know, that's, that's a part of the fun of it. Um, everybody's different. Every foot is different. Every, every person, I don't look at every person the same way. I'm like, well, let's try this or let's try this or definitely like using your input. What's worked with you? What's worked with what's worked for you in the past, you know, and then take our two, um, 
two ideas and kind of mesh the two together and see what we get. You know, it's not my path isn't always the right way. You know, I'm not the one wearing the boot. You are. Right. So how do people work with you? Um, well, like two I, places, right? So, uh, well, in the basically people kind of I get a lot of referrals or people come in and we start talking about, about how they work with me is we did. I guess that's a hard one to answer. Like, what do you, well, I'm saying like, if somebody's interested in working with you, how would they find you? Oh, okay. Work okay. with you. Um, right now I'm at, uh, Hoback sports. So you can, you can give me a call there. Um, and we can get together and set up a time and see what's going on, whether it be, you know, hiking boots or ski boots or, you know, cycling shoes, whatever it is, you know, we can look at even ice climbing boots or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then around November, I move up to Jackson Hole Sports. Uh, and then I really start focusing a lot of what's, you know, ski boots. So um, you can contact me there at Jackson Hole Sports. Um, you can also get my email at pat.sullivan at jacksonhole.com. You can contact me that way and I'll get right back to you and we'll sit down and, uh, you know, we'll set something up and sit down and see what's going on. Uh, so those are the two ways that you can... Uh, get a hold of me and we'll get together and see what I can do. Awesome. Cool. Last question. So in your own personal life, what one habit or practice has had the most powerful impact on your health? It can be uh, a good orthotic. It can be anything you want. The best impact. Um, I would say that's a good question. Yeah, that's a, that's a, you got me there. Um, the best impact, I guess I could say for me and my, my health is, is to just relax, you know, like take everything, uh, bit by bit, don't get overwhelmed. Um, just do the best you can, you know, there's, there's times where it can be a really, what I do can get very overwhelming. A lot of people are kind of pulling me in every direction and the best is to try to just sort of take it one step at a time and breathe. I do a lot of stretching in the morning because I'm getting old and everything's getting tight. <laughs> so I try to really relax in the morning and at least stretch for, for 10 minutes. And I've actually made a habit. I've made a habit out of it. And that helps huge. That's awesome. Stretching. Yeah. Also keeps me from seeing um, a chiropractor every single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Who would want to come in? good for you though. <laughs> awesome. Pat, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I will post your contact information on here as well. So that anybody listens to the episodes, it will go in the show notes as well. Awesome. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Health in the Hole. If you liked it, please subscribe so you can hear more episodes. And remember, this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your health provider before doing anything drastic. 